welcome back to the What The Folk Sunderland preview show. The games are coming thick and fast, as they have done all season. And whilst last night's home goal with Huddersfield did dent our playoff hopes, we do have a huge chance if we can rectify that on Sunday, because we are facing fellow player hopefuls West Brom at the Hawthorns. There can be no doubt that the outcome of the game will be absolutely pivotal to both our season and West Brom's. And to help me preview the game is the always excellent Louis from the Baggies podcast. Louis, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but I think it was. How are you doing? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. Yeah, just uh, just after the World Cup break, you, you know, we mm. two sides met, and yeah, I mean, we've had our peaks and troughs. I'd say both of us since then, and yeah, quite extremes of both of them, to be honest. But yeah, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem at all. And um, I think, like I said in, in the intro, obviously it's a big game. The context of I think how the season's going to end up for both of us. Um, at the time of speaking, obviously this game's tonight, but we sit in eighth. I think we're a point away. Uh, obviously, the game's in hands right, left and centre, but our draw with Huddersfield did kind of dent things a little bit, whereas you jumped into sixth yesterday at the time of speaking because obviously beating Blackpool away 2-0. Obviously, a big result, which I think, you know, doesn't matter really how it comes, a win's a win at this stage for, for sides like us and where we're placed, but how was the performance and, and the result as a whole? Yeah, first half, it was very much the same as the previous Stoke game before. We've had some real struggles on the road, as I'm sure you'll have seen, where we... we I think we lost seven out of our eight home games before that uh, away game. Sorry, before, before that Stoke um, that Stoke win, and in the first half of the Stoke game, we were we were shocking. Uh, when deservedly a goal down could have happened the same against Blackpool. I'd argue maybe you know a lesser quality side kind of came into our favour there because they had a couple of chances in that first half and didn't take them. Uh, and thankfully, we got the upper hand and, and scored quite early on, which which helped as well. Um, but the performance in the first half wasn't great. The second half, I think Blackpool kind of tried to come on to us a little bit more. We But we ended up playing through a lot of their pressing and it became a little bit easier for us as they came out to play a bit more because, you know, as at the bottom of the table, you need to you need to try and fight for every point. And that's what Blackpool were doing, especially at home. So that was, that was impressive, the second half performance. And I think, you know, like yourselves, we've had plenty of injuries, plenty of key players missing. And it's just, it's just an absolute... Uh, the car crash really with the squad and the way it is. We've had another injury to Nathaniel Chalabar and Taylor Gardner Hickman came on and scored, which was brilliant. So to see some of the, I guess, fringe players coming in and, and do, starting to do well, kind of just a little bit of confidence that maybe, you know, all things injury crisis may not actually be that bad. But yeah, I was, I was really going to be impressed with the performance last night. Obviously, we will definitely drop out the top six tonight because Coventry and Blackburn play each other and obviously they're going to get a point. Somebody's going to get a point somewhere in that game. So yeah, that that would be difficult. But uh, so just to be there after the poor run of away results we've had is, is just is enough for us, really. And to see the application, the determination kind of coming back into the squad, especially last night in the second half against Stoke, is it's just nice to see, to be honest. It's nice to have a, a better end to the season and at least be entertaining, even if we don't quite reach our goal. I think you're searching it there before. So obviously, peaks and troughs is a way I think you could definitely describe West Brom's season from just looking at it results-based and... That was your second win in, in four days. Obviously, you beat Stoke 2-1 at the weekend. Obviously, backed it up with a 2-0 win. So, you know, you, you get two wins. And I know you've done that before. And you've had big long runs and had big winless runs. And th- there's been moments in your season where it looks like you're going to fly through the league and then you haven't. But does it feel like West Brom might be hitting form at the right time, at least in terms of results? Or is it just two wins off the bat against two poor teams? Uh, I think it feels a little bit like the run that we had at the start of Carlos Gulbrand's reign. I think it... Even during that period when he first came into the club and, you know, we won just before the World Cup break, won two or three on the bounce, I think, and we won the ball 1-0, 2-0. They were pretty poor, sort of, uh, not not complete showings, I think, but they were still wins uh, 
physical wins, really, lots of goals from set pieces. And this feels a lot like that. But they're not playing, you know, they're not playing exceptionally. I think the best sort of football that we've seen came after that World Cup break and sort of between Christmas and, and coming into the new year. I think the best football we saw was during that period. But I think looking at this kind of this kind of time, it, it looks a little bit more like the start of this reign where it's just bundling the ball over the line from a set piece. It's It's been scrappy and, you know, finding errors in the opposition to defence rather than actually playing, you know, really well. I think defence looks a lot, defensively we look a lot stronger, which I think, you know, he lost for quite a few games really, especially away from home. We look like conceding, you know, virtually, but I mean, the Rotherham game stands out to concede three goals away from home against the side fighting for relegation is embarrassing, but it could have been, you know, five or six and that's that's not really an exaggeration, I don't think. So, yeah, just to get the defensive stability back is one thing, but yeah, I think in an attacking sense, it's not quite a fluid football we've seen. It's, it's kind of just getting over the line with points. And I, I, I'm, you know, that sparks a lot of debate over, uh, you know, around seven different football clubs, but particularly West Brom is style over substance, really. I think a lot of Albion fans really struggle to watch that kind of football. It, but for me, I, I don't mind as long as the ball goes in the net and we, we get three points at the end of the day. I'm, I'm not too bothered. So, yeah, I, I think it's more like the start of his reign rather than that sort of middle period where we're playing some lovely football. It's, it just feels like we're just doing enough to win, really. Yeah, which is kind of what you need, I think, at this point, really. Um, it's been a chaotic season for you in many ways. You know, I say that as a Sunderland fan, but you struggled hugely at the start of the campaign. Then in came Carlos Corbran. You, you looked like you would do, sort of do a Middlesbrough, if that's such a thing, and maybe even push for like the, the second place. I think there's points when people were saying, well, that's West Brom and Middlesbrough definitely in the playoffs then because of the, the form that you're both on. I wouldn't say you tailed off, but you didn't sustain the form that you had. But obviously, you know, you're going to drop out the top six tonight, as we've said, but you are sixth at the time of speaking. So there's more than just hope that you can get promoted. There's a genuine big chance, of course. But what's the season been like for West Brom fans? Because I know when we spoke last time, you were saying like promotion was, was kind of the aim and you've kind of been around there, but from where you've came from, it kind of feels like a real achievement just to be where we at, where you're at at the moment. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. I mean, at the start of the season, you'd probably said we should be, I'd say, finishing third or fourth, you know, sort of milling around the automatic promotion spots. But from where we've come from, I think that's where myself sometimes and a lot of Albany fans need that little bit of perspective because, you know, when Corbrand took over, we were bottom of the league. We looked like, looked like going down when Steve Bruce was in charge. And I think that's to his credit to drag us out of that zone and, I think he's kind of lost. He did lose us for a few games and I think a lot of fans are kind of questioning Carlos a little bit. But I think the, the all-important thing is that we're in there. We're in that race now. And just to be there, as you say, is a big achievement from where we came from. You know, Middlesbrough, you know, similar journey with Michael Carrick, albeit to to to, to sort of better extent and getting towards those, towards those top two, closest to those top two along with Luton. But I think for us, it's just just to be in the mix toward come the end of the season. We felt like the season was kind of teetering out, especially, you know, those two results over Easter weekend, losing to Rotherham, drawing with QPR were, were pretty poor performances uh, and indeed the results as well. So just to see us back in the race is enough uh, for me personally. Uh, I, I know we could have done better, especially in the Bruce era. I know if we'd have had Carlos for the whole season, we may, be, may well be talking about, uh, you know, possible automatic promotion charge. But just to be sick, at this moment in time as we're speaking and, and just have that little chance of the playoffs. It, it, it to be in our hands really is nice to have these games left that we could, you know, you know, still be in there come the end of the season is good enough. And I think, you know, it's come from where we've, where we come from with Carlos is, is massive. And yeah, it just provides a really big boost to, to, I suppose, to Albany fans to see that a manager can really turn this squad of players who, 
you know, a lot of Albion fans have said, you know, finished at the club, you know, not not quite good enough uh, into playoff candidates again is is really good, all in the space of a season. So yeah, as you say, helter skelter and you know, topsy turvy seasons the like. But yeah, it, it really has been that, you know, in terms of getting us into the playoff places. I think it seems quite hard to narrow down like the type of side West Brom are. Like I asked a question on uh, the Twitter page about a month ago, maybe longer, and said pick your best three teams to seen at the Stadium Light and West Brom featured quite heavily. Um, and some of the fans will, will know why. I think especially second half, obviously you performed really well. But when you look at a quick glance at your results just in the, the calendar year, obviously not going back to the, the previous because you're picking up Steve Bruce results and, and yada yada and so on and so on and so forth. Um. But wins over Coventry, wins over Middlesbrough, wins over Luton, wins over Preston, but defeats to Hull, defeats to Watford, defeats to Rotherham, and then a draw against Gareth Ainsworth's QPR, who can't even hit a barn door with a banjo. Um, where is this inconsistency in results coming from, do, do you feel? So I think sometimes when we have, and this this may well come into play on Sunday, I feel like with the set of players we have, when it happened last season, when things are in our own hands, when we've got kind of the the, the foothold in the playoff places, or we've got, you know, we, we struggle to back up those big performances with wins. We struggle to back up the, the place that we're in with a win. So, you know, we snuck it. We were fourth at one point earlier. I think that's probably the highest position we've been in this season so far. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden you saw us get into fourth, all the fans are going, right, that's it, you know, now let's charge towards those automatic promotion spaces. And the players kind of began to lose a bit of confidence. I don't know, it's a, it's a little bit weird. And I think that's what Corbyn's kind of had to contend with. But I think in doing that, he's gone back to basics. But as you say, the wins over like Middles, Middlesbrough was the best performance of the season for me. I thought that was, you know, the best team we've beaten, but also... Uh, the best performance, especially defensively. I think, you know, we gave next to nothing in that game. And that that would be what gets me a little bit confident in a way about if we do get into the playoffs. I think that that game's managed game management from Corbrand kind of kind of looks looks quite promising. But yeah, I, I guess the inconsistency is kind of what tells us about there's been too many draws, there's been too many losses away from home. And I think that patch, as I said there, that this kind of lull in 2023, you know, sort of sort of last couple of months has really has really you know stifled us from really mounting or solidifying a player base at least. So I think you know we could be up there where Middlesbrough and Luton are, but I think that lull, you know, players losing confidence, players kind of cracking under a little bit of pressure as well. I think has has, has kind of inhibited us from from getting where we want to be. And yeah, it's disappointing, but at the same time, as you say, a little bit of perspective needed with with where we come from, and and, and owing to Carlos Corbran's you know fantastic uh, coaching to get us from where we were to, to where we are now. Yeah, it's just that lull and sort of lack of confidence, kind of losing uh, losing those games away from home, particularly, has uh, really cost us. Pushed on there, but sort of cracking under pressure, and I, I think it's maybe not fair to kind of level out of Middlesbrough, but we have seen a point where we thought, well, hang on, they might actually catch Sheffield United here, and then. They've kind of lost random games with Drew Bristol City and so on and so forth. There's certain games where they've cracked, obviously, West Brom where they lost as well. Because of the start like you had at the start of the season, really similar to Middlesbrough, do you think the pressure's been like ramped up even more when you've had those crunch games because you know the start that you had under Steve Bruce, you can't really afford to have yeah. those occasional off games? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think uh, I think we've kind of accepted a lot of the draws, really. You know, as fans, we've kind of gone, oh, it's a point. But actually, when you add them up and the points drops, it becomes a massive issue. You know, you've maybe drawn probably, the, I think it's the most games in that kind of mix at the moment. Uh, and I think, you know, far too many times we've kind of gone, oh, well, it's just, it's just a point, it's fine. And I think, you know, the players, as you said there, perhaps, you know, look into the Bruce era, they've kind of gone, 
we dropped too many points there. We can't really afford to drop it and placing a bit of pressure under ourselves. Whereas when we were kind of striding up the table and, you know, winning just, just for fun, really, when Colbrand came in, it was kind of like, there, it was a momentum thing, but also, a, you know, there was no pressure on you. It's just get as many wins as you can, see how far you can get at the table. But as soon as, you know, the fans start seeing that table, you see the effects of Colbrand's coaching and what's happened to come into play. That's maybe where that pressure's come in. And, you know, as you said, we we, we drawn Jordan lost too many games under Bruce. Uh, and I think the players kind of feel that they can't drop any more. Uh, that's where it kind of, I think that kind of weight comes onto them. And I think that's where they've maybe found it a little bit more difficult. And that's perhaps a reason why this lull's happened. It's just a, a little bit difficult to kind of understand the mentality in the dressing room and stuff and to see what happens there. But yeah, I, th- I thought, I thought, um, you know, in terms of performances, we seem to be getting better. It's just, it's just perhaps going back to basics and, and stop maybe not complicating things so much as we did maybe just before Christmas where we were playing this really fluid attacking style. But when you have that lull, it's, it's always good to, in the old fashioned term, really just go back to basics and, and stick to what you know, kind of uh, as to what got you there in the first place. I think looking at obviously your last four games, I think I think we have quite a tough run, if I'm completely honest. I think Blackburn probably have the toughest, but West Brom certainly isn't easy. Um ourselves at home, which is nice to say is obviously a tough game. Um, but then Sheffield United away, Norwich at home, and Swansea away is not particularly a nice game either. Um, what are the feeling amongst fans? And obviously a lot of the time you're kind of hopeful that like you can get into the playoffs. But is the feeling amongst fans that the, the fixes are too tough or the feeling that you know they're all winnable games and there's no reason why not? Yeah, I think that's 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 the thing that it's kind of in our own hands. You know, if we beat yourselves, we beat Norwich. It it, it kind of comes in back and Sheffield United, I suppose. But I, I can't really see us beating beating those at all. But yeah, there's there's those games in there yourselves and Norwich. If you were to win both of those, you 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 know you you're basically there. I, I'd say that's the thing, um, and that's where it's difficult for Albion fans to kind of comprehend it because. You, you know, we, we've we've not had it in our own hands this season so far. It's kind of been waiting for somebody else to slip up, waiting for, you know, another team to lose or draw a game to just sort of sneak in through the back door. And that's what's happened basically over the past couple of games is that other teams have, have dropped points and, and we've just happened to hit a little bit of a stride. So, yeah, I think that's where it comes down to pressure and stuff it, with the players. You know, will they struggle under the pressure now that they know it's in their own hands? And that's what concerns me a little bit because they seem to kind of crack, especially defensively, which has looked so strong under Corbran. You do get a little bit worried that now things are in our own hands. We may may start to crumble. I think looking at, obviously, the game that we played in December. Was it December? I want to yeah. say it was December. Um, I can't remember. The season's been so like all over the shop. But obviously, Monday night, we took the lead um, through Diallo, and it was apparently played relatively well. I think Pritchard missed... Absolute sitter um, to put a sort of two up. But I remember towards the end of that first half, a lot of us spoke about how your right hand side was just overpowering us. Um, and I think a lot of the chat on Twitter and half time was look, sort that out. We should be able to see this this game out as it was. We we didn't. Um and Jed Wallace in particular was was really, really good down that right hand side and was one of the better players we've come up against this season, particularly in that game. He's got five goals, eight assists this season. Obviously, that's that's vital. That's 13 goal contributions. Um, how vital is he to any hope you have of promotion this season from the playoffs? Yeah, he's, he's an interesting case, Wallace, because although he's been really good overall this season, probably a contender for player of the season, he, he hasn't been particularly great, I'd say, over the past couple of months. 
I think he relies a little bit. I think, as as I say, we tried to develop the style into more of a possession-heavy style, trying to be a bit sort of more swanky on the board. I don't think that quite suits him. I think, you know, you saw against Sunderland how good he was kind of in transition. I think that's where he sort of flourishes. Uh, and, you know, that's where that form came from because we were sort of sitting deep and then hitting on the break and defending, soaking up pressure and then sort of, you know, coming out of our blocks in that way. But I think now we've tried you know, trying to advance the style. It's kind of looked a little bit, he's looked a little bit out of place. I think at Millwall, see another very transitional side trying to hit you on the break, trying to get numbers up the field as quick as possible. I think that that's what he's suited to. And I think with the development of the style that, you know, for a little bit of period of time did work, but for, a, you know, now, it's, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, decided to go a little bit wrong. I think he struggled a bit in that, but overall this season, he's been, he's been fantastic. I mean, his crossing has been probably the best, one of the best crosses the ball I've seen in recent years at Albion. He seems to very little backlift on his crosses. He seems to just kind of whip them across a six-yard box. You know, it, a defender wouldn't expect him to be honest. So a lot of our attackers aren't expecting it either. That's why it ends up going out for a throw. Him, they you know they seem to be a foot you know sort of half a yard behind him. But I think he's been fantastic. But the thing is, is is, is his work ethic. I think he suits Corbrand's kind of defensive system because we kind of sit deep. I think he works very hard up and down that right channel, as you say, that he causes a threat attacking-wise, but um, defensively as well. He's also really useful to to have as kind of a second second right back at times, really, because he, he's happy to do that defensive work. He's happy to dig in and, and kind of sit back. So, yeah, for me, Wallace has been brilliant. I think, you know, the numbers you said there, he's just had a little bit of tail off in, in recent months, but that's not necessarily to do with his efforts, more to do with the style and whether it suits him. But, yeah, as you say, if we get anywhere near promotion this season it'll it'll be largely down attacking wise to him because as you say he's put in the numbers and and of course the the performances to warrant you know being up there as as one of our players of the season I think another two players that um I felt a bit like Mystic Meg at the time because obviously I came on your podcast and I think I said that Tom Rogic was the one that worried me because I'd seen what he'd been like at Celtic up here in Scotland and lo and behold he went he went and scored and then I think Daryl DK got obviously the the winner later on um Obviously, the most recent game, Blackpool watched the highlights. I see that Rogic came off the bench, but I see that's still the only goal that he scored. It was the one he scored against us, which was a beauty, um, to be fair to him. Um, and DK obviously caused loads of trouble because you talked before about the delivery from Wallace and that DK seemed to kind of be one of the only people that managed to, if I remember correctly, bully Danny Barr a little bit That's uh, in that game, especially in the second half. He wasn't even on the bench from what I can see yesterday. How likely are we to see those two players? And is, is it an injury or is it a case of like you've just got players that are, are getting in ahead of them at the moment? So DK is is another injury case. Sadly, he's he's out for six to nine months with an Achilles tendon injury. So that's his his third long term injury since joining the club in January uh, of twenty twenty one. So yeah, we're disappointed to see that. And obviously, uh, he was devastated against Stoke. He kind of went up for a, a header and kind of twisted. It looked like he twisted his ankle, which you know he's in a massive deal. But turned out he's he, you know ruptured his Achilles tendon, which is obviously a massive deal and keep him out until possibly the possibly the end of this year, maybe. So it's it's really devastating for him. As you say, he looked a real handful against Sunderland and in quite a lot of the other games. And I think he was just starting to get himself back into full fitness and kind of get back into the reckoning, make that starting spot his own. And it's just really it's just really unlucky. I mean, I feel so sorry for him, you know, the way he's come to the club and never really had an injury history history at Orlando or Barnsley. And all of a sudden he's come to us and he keeps, seems to be getting every injury under the sun. So yeah, it's 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 upsetting for him, but yeah, 
hopefully we'll, we'll see him back at some point. But yeah, it, it, that's going to be a massive blow for us and means that Thomas Asante, Brandon Thomas Asante will start instead of him. Tom Rogic, I, I mean, he played last night and I thought he was really good when he came on for that last 20 minutes. He, you know, you were you were a bit mystic, Meg, as you say, um, in the Sunderland game last time out because, you, you know, we hadn't really seen very much of Rogic up until that point. But you were saying, you were saying about how he can show his quality and he did with a really nice goal. He scored against Chesterfield in the FA Cup, I think, which was like a, it was a really weird goal. The goalkeeper came out to kind of collect the ball and he like sort of, jabbed it but chipped it at the same time he kind of lifted it into the net but also took his body with him it was a really really odd goal but yeah he scored in that as well I, I quite like Rogic and I think he's a really useful player to have around Swift has been the only reason I think Swift keeps his place in the starting 11 week in week out ahead of him is because of his set piece delivery and I think we've scored so many goals from corners free kicks thanks to Swift's delivery I think that kind of keeps him in the team Rogic I really like though I can't I can't help when but get a little bit excited when he comes on the pitch I mean He's not somebody on somebody who's afraid to take players on. He, he nearly scored last night against Blackpool. Um, I think it was uh, Grant who crossed it into him, uh, and he kind of cut across the near post. And he kind of it was it was sort of like a sort of flick behind him, and he kind of he lifted it as a, as again seems to be a bit of a trait of his. But he he, he um, sort of hit it into the side netting. But I think he's um, a really useful player to have around the squad. But yeah, it'd be a shame to to kind of see him since his contracts out. He's out of contract at the end of the summer, but we have got a year extension. I'd quite like to see that activated because I think he could. There's something a little bit, uh, a little bit more to offer. I think with Rogic that we haven't quite seen yet. But there's undeniable technical ability. I think it's just what's his best position because I think he's played in quite a few. He's played on the wing a couple of times as well under Corbran, which obviously we wouldn't say is best position. I'm sure you wouldn't either, Graham. But um, yeah, he's he's a player that I like and I get excited watching, but he's just not quite found the minutes ahead of Swift, which is understandable because of the delivery that Swift had. But yeah, those those two players sadly have sadly not seen enough of them and won't be seeing enough of uh, certainly DK for uh, in the in the near future. I think we've seen far too much of them that Monday night in December, <laughs> sadly for us. But um, yeah, Rogic is, I think the word I'd use is cultured. Um, I've mm. seen it a lot up here and he, he, he certainly, his goal at the stadium light was pretty much the Rogic I, I can't expect from watching him up here. But um, obviously I've pinpointed a few players there. Is there anyone that I haven't touched on that's in particularly good form that you know, you're looking to maybe win the game for you on, on Sunday? So I've, I've really liked Jason Malumbi uh, of late. He scored twice against Stoke City. He's, Someone who I think has added a great deal of uh, attributes to his game. I think last season he was a very just sort of ratty, tenacious midfielder. I think that was all that was there was to him. But I think I think in credit to Steve Bruce, he came out this season and he showed shown to be a real footballer, a real culture football. I think along with that, so I think he's looked really good. He made a sort of. Uh, Sort of Lazarus recovery from injury um, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. He was set to be out until the end of the season, and he came back uh, about a week and a half later um, and, and came on against uh, QPR and then started the Stoke game, scored twice, and started last night as well. So nobody was expecting to see him again this season, but he's back and he's been fantastic since he's come back. And yeah, just having him in the midfield, I think, just adds a little bit of urgency. Uh, I think a lot of the time it can be a little ponderous and a little bit sort of pedestrian in terms of our build-up play. And I think he kind of adds a bit of drive in midfield. And yeah, I think he's he just gets sets about the opposition, kind of disrupts their structure. Anybody who kind of wants to have a little bit of time on the ball in midfield probably wouldn't if Malumbi was 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 nearby. So he's somebody I've been really impressed with. Um, and we've also been massively boosted by Alex Palmer coming into the side. He started against Stoke uh, and also 
get to clean sheet last night against Blackpool and made a massive save late on in the game to to deny a, a Blackpool consolation goal. So yeah, he, having him back, he's got ex- exceptional sort of communication. Uh, he's very good with dealing with the back line. And uh, we had young Josh Griffiths in goal before that, who'd done really well, but not quite the presence behind the defence that you'd want that Alex Barmer is. So yeah, I think those two are, are some sort of, just from seeing them out the side and just from seeing the side without them in recent weeks, it's kind of um, it's kind of difficult to kind of uh, see how we got through those games without them because they really do add a lot to our side. And, you know, without them, we we looked we looked a little bit weaker. So I think just seeing the side without them has made me really appreciate them more. So yeah, those two, those two for me are, you know, are the ones we haven't mentioned a bit have been brilliant. Looking obviously towards the game on um, Sunday, I, I don't know how I'm viewing it myself, to be honest. I kind of feel like the whole season's been a free hit and it's kind of like a anticlimactic in many ways towards the end because of the, the result yesterday obviously does leave us with a lot to do. But at the same time, you win on Sunday and then and then you think, well, there you go. But, you know, as good as you have played, um, I, as good as you were against us sorry, earlier in the season, that does make me think, well, it's a team that can turn us over and we still don't have any strikers. But um Obviously, last night was a blow for ourselves, but I think we've only lost one in the last eight. Um, we've scored 11 goals in the process of that. We've only lost two away games in 2023, one beaten in three away from home without conceding a goal, which includes games at Burnley and Norwich. So with all that taken into account, which is the most statistics I've ever, ever given on the show, I think, um, how were West Brom fans in the Sunderland game? And obviously, there's no, no offence here if you see it as a winnable game, obviously, I think. Any game in this level is winnable, but is it a game where you think you see it as a must-win? Yeah, I think I think so. I think if, as I say, if I think if we win the Sunderland game and the Norwich game, I think that kind of stands us in good stead. I think that that could, you know, that might even take us into fifth, you know, which is lofty for us considering where we've been over the past few weeks. But you know, I think I think this is I think it is a winnable game, but ultimately we understand. Obviously, yourself's been on a, a decent little run, as you say there. That you know, you've only lost, as you said, two away games in 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 this calendar year, which is massive for yourselves. And obviously, we know Tony Mowbray very well at West Brom, so he's a, he's kind of another another sort of thing that we've got to be wary of because we he's taken this promotion once before. He clearly knows how to do it, and I think he's doing a fantastic job with with yourselves. So yeah, it's just it's just about keeping kind of keeping momentum and trying to build on those sort of basics that we've done in in the past couple of games. I think it'd be more definitely more difficult. I think we'll you'll probably see more of the ball than ourselves. If if I have to be honest, I think we're likely to kind of sit back and uh, I guess soak up a little pressure and try and play on the break, even though it is at home. Um, but yeah, it's just whether the players can feel the pressure now because there is a little bit of pressure because they're there, they're there, but they, they need to continue this run of form in order to stay there at the end of the season. So. Yeah, we see it as winnable, but it's it's not one we take. It's not one that I, I'm sure they'll be taking lightly because ultimately we know this game and the Norwich game are, are the two must wins of the season. If you know you come out of those with lo- two losses, you know you can you can kiss goodbye to playoffs. And I think we've already kissed goodbye to playoffs once this year. And I've said it myself, but similar how we're back in the race. But yeah, it's just it's just this game and the Norwich game. I think are the two must wins. I think you can afford to kind of slip up maybe against Sheffield United or, or Swansea, I guess, but the, the, these two are, are not ones you want to be taking lightly if, if you want to get in the playoff race. I'm sure that'd be the same for yourselves and, and for Norwich, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think from a Sunderland perspective, I think when on Sunday and you suddenly think, well, hang on a minute, but mm. obviously still work to do, but I think I think a defeat, it puts you too far ahead of us and it, it probably puts it out of reach anyway, if last night didn't already without t- sounding too defeatist. Um, 
before we go into predictions, there's obviously been a lot of guests I've had on the show that have been um, formerly managed by Tony Mowbray, Coventry, Blackburn, and they're not always the most complimentary um, because of the fact he's had this uh, alleged downfall in the second part of the season. Now, I've got to be honest, like, you know, no one's perfect, but I think in the on the whole, everyone's been really, really happy with Tony Mowbray, and despite the fact that... Um, the uh, second tier championship podcast believes he's underachieving, um, which is the most bizarre statement I've ever heard in my life. Um, yeah. and it must have surely been done for engagement. Um, he's done really well. He's probably overachieved. He's had a strikers injured. He's had, well, obviously we've lost our manager. So he's came in to a squad where basically the manager wasn't expected to be gone. He's had his captain injured. He's had Dan Ballard injured for the, the bulk of the season. He's had a lot of things that he's come up against. And ultimately, I think, whatever happens, we'll come to the end of the season and, and see it as a, a lot of hope. And a lot of that comes down to the fact that Tony Mowbray has moulded the team into a really nice team to watch. That's a, a good attack on side. But a lot of people don't seem convinced by Tony Mowbray outside of Sunderland. So I always find it interesting that, you know, you've seen Tony Mowbray get West Brom promoted. He's probably had the most success in England with, with West Brom. Is there any element of you that are surprised by how well he's taken to the job at Sunderland and how pleased the, the bulk of Sunderland fans are with the football he's producing? I wouldn't be. I'm not surprised at all, personally. I mean, we 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 obviously love him because he took us to the Premier League. He played some absolutely fantastic football, probably some of the best football that you you know you you will have seen at the Hawthorns for probably ten or so years. And I think, yeah, I think ultimately with him, I mean, I, I think I said last time I was on here, he always, he always spoke about players with lovely soft feet and how that was kind of his way of saying that they're good on the ball. They like to pass it. They like to get their foot on the ball. And I think that's that's kind of resonated with some of them. You know, you've seen how a lot of players that can do sort of creative jobs. Um, and I think that's 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 Tony Mowbray all over. He had plenty of players at West Brom to kind of pick from that did did that kind of job. And, you know, you look at your your yourselves, your squad, and it, it, it you know, in terms of, creative threats and players that can sort of pass the ball. It, it is very similar to that West Brom side in, the, in that respect. And the system seems pretty similar as well. We, we're full of praise for him. We always will be because of the fantastic job he did, but also the football that he played. And yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, he does get some pelters, as you said, from from the likes of, of Blackburn and, and Coventry. But I think, yeah, we, we, we'll always be pleased with the job that he did for us. And to be honest, uh, I'm not, not surprised at all to see him reaping some success with yourselves because it's a, it's a really good squad and he I think he's kind of moulded it a little bit to the way that he wants and getting some players in uh, and making them, I suppose, as, as the nice pass of the ball that he, he knows and loves. So, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. And, yeah, to be honest, I'm glad to see him doing well because, you know, we've, we've as I said, we've got nothing sort of really bad to say about him. No, I like Grandad, Tony. To my, to my surprise, I must be honest, but... Um... Does it feel to you like it's almost like the perfect marriage? He's obviously from the northeast, debatable, I suppose. Middlesbrough fans, fair enough, but we'll, we'll say he is. So he obviously understands what Sunderland are as a football club. But on top of that, he's got he touched on players like their technical ability, Diallo, Roberts. Mm. I mean, there's fifty million pounds worth of players there. Um, do you feel like it's almost like a perfect marriage the way he likes to play football? We've got those players with, as you said, lovely soft feet. Um, <laughs> and then on top of that, obviously he understands the area and he seems like he's very good with, with youthful products. I suppose. From your from the outside looking in, just the, the perfect marriage for this season for Sunderland, do you think? Yeah, and I think he was a really good option because obviously coming up from League One, a lot of the time it's to stay up, but I think your squad was always going to be a little bit of a cut above that. And I think with me, uh, for me, Mowbray has kind of taken you 
up another level. And I think with that, that's largely down to his style because he's not a not a manager who you know will obviously you know see you in from League One as you, as, as start of the season and and start you know getting you to part the bus and start seeing you uh, lumping the ball forwards. He is a he is a manager who's got the principles and he's one to stick by that. But I think also you, as you say, your squad has blended quite well with the type of player that he likes to have. So with our squad, I think he actually spent quite a lot of money, but with yourselves, he doesn't seem to have had to, you know, splash the cash or what or whatever to kind of get the get the type of player he wants. And I think that's that's just how it's that's you know, obviously Sunderland, uh, you know, you've you've obviously you'll have obviously done your research as a club on him and how he would suit that style of play. And I think that's you know, it's really good work to get him in. And yeah, it's just I like say northeast, it worked it just worked well, really. It's just a lovely match and I've, you know, no surprise to see him doing so well with with yourselves, with the type of player that you've got in your squad. It's just for him, it's probably a dream to work with, having to having to kind of walk in, not to have to make too many signings, and and to to be able to deal with his his style of player almost immediately. Yeah, yeah, I think it's worked really well, and I think injuries aside, I, I'd like to think would be a little bit closer to where we we'd like to be, or, or maybe wouldn't expect to be, but would like to be. Um, Talking about expectations, obviously predictions as always. I can't remember what I predicted last time. I probably got it wrong. I know I didn't get it right, actually, from the thing of it, because they've only had five right this season, which is actually a record for me, but I'm not touching that too much. Um, I think we're going to win. And I don't know why I'm saying that. Um, But at the same time, I do. I think we're going to win because I think everyone, after the result last night, kind of has gone, "Ah, okay, fair enough, no bother. So you've got to have that one last little bit of hope because, you know, we had a fanzine called It's the Hope I Can't Stand. And I think that kind of sums something up an awful lot in most football teams, to be fair. So and it fancy us away from home. I don't know why. Um, I think we'll sneak a 1-0, but I don't know if I'm 100% convinced, but I'll go with it. You know, what's the worst case scenario? I'm wrong again. Um, so I'll say 1-0, but I expect you to go maybe the opposite way. Where are you going? Uh, I will go in the middle. Graham, I'll be I'll be boring. I think the first half that we've had against, or first maybe sort of twenty minutes against Blackpool, first half against Stoke, I can see maybe taking a little bit of advantage and confidence from that, especially if we repeat that type of performance. So I'd say I think I say one all. I think you'll score early on, and I think we'll kind of switch it on at about sort of 60, 65 minutes and and get a goal back. And I think that'll be that. Yeah, I'll go one one. Um, because yeah, I think that 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 first period of the game does worry me a little bit, especially against a, a side of better quality than than Stoke or or uh, Blackpool last night. So I, I'll go one one. A draw that would help absolutely nobody. That sounds just about right, yeah. doesn't it? For a, a Sky Sports twelve o'clock Sunday game. Um, Louis, obviously, there's the stuff you do as well. We talked about it before, but uh, where can we find all the stuff that you do off you, which is uh, very good. So we're on the Baggies podcast. Basically, you can check us out, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. But we're also on YouTube. We do a podcast every week. We've got our match previews, match reactions uh, on our YouTube channel. But also, you can catch the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're everywhere, basically. If you just search the Baggies podcast, we'll, you'll find us somewhere. <laughs> Perfect. Hopefully, we can listen to it on Monday and you all morning about a big defeat. But I can't yeah. make any big promises. Fat, big, big fat cry from me on Monday morning, I think, maybe. To be fair, I said that when we had the Burnley fan on and he said, oh, well, you know, on the off chance. And then we got a nil-nil draw. So there you go. Coincidentally, one of the predictions I got right. But um, Louis, always good having you, mate. I hope you're doing well. And uh, good luck for the rest of the season following on from uh, Sunday, of course. As always, I hope you have a horrible Sunday. But that's just by the by. Cheers, Graham. Thanks for having me. <laughs>